0: By your heads, and we're just going to finish up worship here in a minute, but I just, man, I just, even this morning, just in prayer for service, and just kind of driving around, and then coming here, and just praying and believing for, for God to do just a tremendous work here, my church, man, we don't play games when we come into his presence, we just don't come to church to check a box. Like, man, we want to come into his presence and be reminded again of the very one that we are worshiping, the very one that we are declaring his excellence and his majesty, that he is so worthy to deserve our praise, that he deserves it all, church that this is God Almighty, this is Jesus Christ who has always been, he put on flesh, purposefully put himself on a cross to deal with our sin issue, that which was that which was forever and always put on flesh for you and I. Man, when you understand that which is infinite, put on the finite body, and there was a day that that body took to death. When you realize the very one who created entered into that which he created in physical form and the very one who was sinless. He took on sin for you and I and he dealt with our sin issue forever and always. And church, is the very one that we worship and we honor and we adore and we put Jesus in the center of our attention. I was reading Psalm 8 and it just comes to this. I want you to hear this. when when, What it really looks like to just stand in awe of him. What is it to stand in awe this very moment to realize that we are in his presence and by his Holy Spirit, he's moving amongst us in such a powerful way and then to realize the very God that we worship, that we sing to, that we play our instruments to, that we raise our voice to, that our posture is before is the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is God, all-powerful, God, all-majesty, God who is excellent and worthy of praise. This is the very one and we cannot lose sight of that, church so beautiful simply what is it to just love him back to realize in all of his excellence and all of his greatness and that he is majestic and he is holy and he died on a cross for you and I what is it to say thank you and to love him back and be reminded again today of his majesty and of his excellence so major simply says this oh lord our lord How majestic is your name in all the earth. How majestic, how worthy, how mighty is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens, who have displayed your splendor, your majesty, your greatness, your power, and your authority is just on display when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars. That's God just saying, I'm present. This is me on display of my power and my authority. And then it gets to you and me, and it gets to us, and we realize just how great our God is in his creation and his power. And I love where the psalmist brings it down to this. For when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, for what is man that you take thought of him? And what is the son of man that you care for him? And I love the psalmist is like, who am I? I see your majesty and I see your splendor and I see your greatness and I know that you are all-powerful. I know that you are eternity past and you are eternity forever and present. I know all of this and I'm just a dot amongst billions and billions and billions of other dots upon this little ball of a planet that's just a dot in this universe of all these other dots. And you say that you know my name. You say that I am fearfully and wonderfully. You say that you love me, that I have value and worth. And this psalmist gets it right. He's like, in all of your grandeur, in all of your majesty, in all of who you are, who am I that you even would take thought of me? And Psalm 139 nails this. And it says, in all of the seas of the sand, as as much as he thinks on you. What? What? When you put this in proper perspective, how do we not worship? How are we not in awe of Him and His love for us? That He who is majestic and He who is all powerful and He who has displayed His power and His wealth is on display in His creation, and then it comes to you and me saying, Oh God, who am I that you even think of me? Who am I that you even talk, think, think, take thought of me? that you would consider me? I'm a nobody. I'm a dot amongst billions and billions of other dots. Is it true? Is it true that you think of me more than they are in the sands? Is that true? God's like, listen, when you understand that my greatness is unsearchable, you understand that my love for you is deeper than you could ever imagine church, we need to stand in all of that which we know in his splendor and in his majesty and his power and his authority and his demonstrated love for you that he demonstrated his love for you that yet while we were still sinners Christ died for you, that is amazing church, that is amazing and in that he deserves our highest praise he deserves a praise that is glorious and magnificent, he deserves a praise from that which he created, you and I to know that he takes thought of me and I'm amazed that the great almighty God, he knows my name and he loves me and Jesus put himself on a cross for me that this is personal and he deserves our highest praise and man I just want you in this moment to begin to set it right to say no this is the very one this is the one that I worship and I cry out to and I'm amazed that I need to stand in awe of him and just love him back with all of my heart with all of my mind Everything that is in me needs to love him back with everything that I am because of all that he is and what he's done for me. That he knows me and he loves me. And Jesus died on a cross for me. And I put him in the center of my attention. And I just stand in awe, in amazement of who he is and who I am. That he would even take thought of me. And it screams of his grandeur and his excellence and his majesty and his power and his authority that he knows you and he loves you and he put his son on a cross for you. In church, he does deserve our highest praise. Put this thing in proper perspective this morning, would you, as we worship him and close out this time. Man, if you are comfortable in this house, would you please just raise your hands before the Lord and say, God, I get it and I'm amazed by you and I love you and I want to worship you and I want to stand in awe of your mighty name. Come on, hallelujah. Be uprooted. Lord. We just give you this time in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hey, come on, you may have a seat. Come on, give somebody a high five, man. Welcome to the house this morning. I'm so thankful that you find yourself right here, right now, man. I believe that God has a word for us this morning as we take communion, and we just, you know, we don't want to be routine, man. I'm, I just, in my heart, is like I don't want anything in church just to be routine. I don't want it to do just cuz that's what we do man. I want it to be because man Jesus himself said remember me. He said do this and remember it to me. That's what Jesus said. So we're called to go back to that place and remember the mighty work of the cross. Two elements, my body and my blood. His body was physically shredded on your behalf. Like physically destroyed as he hangs on a tree unrecognizable as a human being shredded from head to toe if you think it was just his back man though those those three prongs would wrap around his whole body and shred his chest and shred his back and shred his front of his legs and the back of his legs rip around his shoulders he had a crown of thorn on his head dripping down his face his face was shredded because they tore the beard out of his face could you imagine that if you have facial hair, could you imagine already beaten and battered, already shredded, and they they just begin to tear that that beard out of your face, like that, all of that, all the flat, and that, and he says that was given for you, and all of the blood that was shed as he hung on that cross was a sacrifice for you and I to understand. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins but because of the shedding of innocent blood. Man, you and I understand what it is to take on his righteousness and to truly be born again and forgive of my sin, to be forgiven of my sin, to be forgiven, truly set free and forgiven. The, to forgive, it means to release. There's a true release where the word says that he, he is not going to remember your sin anymore. That's his choice not to bring it to remembrance. That's amazing. That doesn't mean he forgets it. We have a God and serve a God who knows all things. He says, I choose not to bring it to my remembrance. No, I have buried it in the depth of the sea. No, I have left it behind me. Matter of fact, I have removed it as far as the east is from the west. Church, that's what it means that my sin has been dealt with past, present, and future. My sin has been forgiven. What happens when you understand that in John Chapter 3, verse 36, gives us a beautiful picture. It says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Do you know what you've been saved from? Pastor Jerry spoke last week, and he just spoke this amazing, truly amazing word to us last week. If you missed it, go back and watch it, please. It was a great word. And one of his quotes in that word was, God saved us from God. I want you to think on that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin equals death. That's what we rightfully deserve is death. We've earned that right. Because of our sin, we earn death. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believeth in him shall not perish. That's God's punishment, but have everlasting life. That's eternal life with him. Where does God's wrath come from it? That, that's His eternal, forever punishment for those who've rejected Jesus. Now, hear this God saved us from God. God's punishment is coming for those who deny Christ. That's a guarantee. But He has given every single person. The Bible says it is God's desire, man, it, it is His will for all to be saved. He has given the way out for every person who's ever sinned, and that's all mankind church what is it to realize that God saved us from himself because his punishment's coming and he's given the way out through his son Jesus on a cross that you would truly commit your life to him that you would repent from your sin believe that Jesus Christ is the only way following through with his words surrendering your life to him that's salvation that's his terms not man's terms And Jesus just simply says, I need you to remember this. I need you to remember this. We see in Psalm 103 that this is Old Testament remembrance where where this was God's chosen people being released from bondage, being released from slavery from the Egyptians. And there, there was so much that they would, they, they would be released and they would be free, and then they turn right back into their sin and they go right back into their false idols. And then God would have to come back and, and punish, and then they'd be released again. And there's this vicious circle of like, what is what is the children of Israel doing? What is God's chosen people doing? And Psalm 103 simply says this: Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me bless his holy name. The word bless here, it means to show a depth of adoration physically, like in posture, like kneeling and laying out before the Lord in posture of adoration. We show posture of adoration by kneeling. Maybe you'll see people kneeling in worship. Maybe you'll see people with hands raised before the Lord. There's something about our posture that shows a blessing or to adore or to honor the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is something of an inside job. Because my soul is good because of the Lord, my outside is going to show blessing. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Church, forget none of his benefits. This is Psalm 103. We need to keep a constant reminder of the very one whom we serve, the very one whom we worship. This is God in our presence today. And to honor that and to believe that his word is true, I believe this. And we pray to the God of all creation and all power and all might. he He hears us. We've got to keep this in mind as we go into our time of communion this morning. It's not just ritual. It's just not something we do. And forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion he satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles he pardons all your iniquities like we know that God so loved the world and we know that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us we know his love and we know that he demonstrated his love and all of that led through the cross it's a demonstrated love cannot be denied No matter where you're at this morning, no matter what you're going through, no matter what season of life that you find yourself in, you know that you can back on this. God loves me. He demonstrated his love for me. My circumstance doesn't dictate his love for me. I know that he loves me, and it's my inside that declares, bless the Lord, all my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's not based on your outside circumstance. This is an inside job because I know what he has done for me. I know that all of my sin all of my wrong, all of my iniquities. you got this dealing with the past. you got Isaiah 53 dealing with the future that he says our iniquities have been cast on him. That was Jesus, the lamb. That's the future of what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. Psalm 103 deals with what was in the freedom of Egypt. you got Psalm 53, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 53 that deals with the future of the cross. And we realize, man, he has dealt with, with our iniquity for my sin has been dealt with on the cross and Jesus just simply says don't forget it for my body was for you and my blood was shed and he comes to this place says go back and remember which means I think sometimes we forget Psalm 103 had to be written because sometimes they forgot of what it took for them to be freed from Egypt and the 10 plagues and to see God's mighty hand work, 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 to see, work, to see the sea split, to walk on dry ground, the sea come across all of their enemy, to see God's mighty hand work, to see God's, and they forgot. Just how much more you and I, that God's son came and put himself on a cross and he dealt with the sin issue. So that you and I could come to know him. So that you and I could be saved. So that that you and I would understand what it is that I never have to experience his wrath because of the beautiful work of the cross. And I believe that. And Jesus says, don't ever forget it. Remember what was done. Remember the price that had to be paid remember the work done for you. Sean, was it really done just for me? It was done for all. And guess what? You're a part of the all. Yes, it was done for you. And yes, this is personal. And yes, God knows you and loves you. And Jesus Christ put himself on a cross for you. believe this because he who believes this has eternal life for those who don't obey this the wrath of God is expected God saved us from God it's incredible Come on, on the night that he was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it he said this is my body which has been given for you Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead, please, and take the bread. And I love the work of the cup, where Jesus says, as often as you drink this, that means right here, right now, like right here, right now. You realize there's power in the blood to forgive. And it's a reminder again, saying, "Hey, listen, my sin, past, present, future, has been dealt with on the cross, and I know that, and I believe that. And and, and I'm I'm not going to struggle from past sin. I'm not going to let the sins of the past hold me bondage or keep me in slavery. No, because because he says, as often as you do this, remember you're forgiven. Remember that you're free." And I love this because so many times we get so wrapped up in our own minds and we get wrapped up in our own hearts that man, could a loving God truly forgive me? Man, I have done this and I have done that and I have been here and I have been there. And man, it is just still in my mind and I still have the repercussions, maybe even physically in my body, but to realize, no, the sin has been forgiven. And Jesus says, as often as you do this, remember, remember, remember that you are free. Remember that you're not in bondage to sin. Sin because the precious blood of Jesus. No, I am forgiven. No, I am free. No, Jesus tells me to be reminded again that I am free. Church, this is communion. This is what He says. As often as you do this, remember the work of the cross and remember the blood and its power to forgive sin. So many times we get so caught up and we miss. No, I'm free. No, I am forgiven. His grace is enough. His blood shed dealt with my sin. And I'm not held in bondage anymore. Please hear that today. Please hear that today. Don't lessen the power of the blood, don't lessen the power of forgiveness. No, I am forgiven. No, I am free. That debt that I could not pay has been paid. And there is a day that I get to stand before the judge and be declared innocent because of the precious blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, There's a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, this in remembrance of me. Go ahead, please. Lord, we love you so much, and we honor you in this place this morning. We thank you for the day. What a morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being in this place today. We love you. You continue to work mightily within this service. We honor you, and we love you. His precious name, come on, amen. Hallelujah, come on. Oh, what a day! That's a great service. Mm. Now we get to preach, man. We're almost, we're getting there, baby. Let's go, let's go. So good so far, amen. amen. Halfway home, baby. Let's go. <clears throat> hey, come on. Welcome to Believer's Chapel, man. We love you. Pumped that you're with us this morning. We're in Philippians. We're gonna be in Philippines longer than I had thought. We're gonna be kicking through this for a while. Right now, we're in Philippians 3. Please turn to Philippians 3. We're going to cover three verses this morning. As you turn to Philippians 3, man, I'm excited about what happened here yesterday. We had an event here yesterday. We hosted Bible quizzing, like Family Love Network was in the house. They had their Bible quizzers, maybe 100 strong, something like that. We had four different rooms set up. We've got several in this church that are involved in Bible quizzing. I was never one of those smart people, like, English took me a couple times around the, the bank to get the, the passing grade for English, right? So when you're like that, you're like, ah, oh, man, Bible, i got to memorize what? No, no, it's like Genesis, Exodus, Revelation. I'm like, ah, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, like, it's amazing. And what I saw yesterday was just brilliance on display. Like, these guys, like, there's, like, ah, like, huh, if you don't know really anything about Bible quizzing, it's, like, intense, it's like you can challenge a challenge, and someone stands up, the captain of a team, and says, I challenge that. I think the question's off, and I think the answer to this, and then a challenge to that challenge, and there's two, cap- I'm like, oh, there's going to be a fight. I'm like, this is, woo, like, this is going to be great. Like, put on the boxing gloves, like, and it's like, it was like intense. I'm like, oh, this is awesome, right? And then, and then one of our guys, like, we have a team. Like, one of our guys, like, I'm on the team. I know nothing about it, but I'm on the team. And like, one of our guys, like, he fouled out. I'm like, what's he doing? Why is he off the stage? Oh, he got too many errors. I'm like, you mean you can foul out? Like, yeah, you can foul out. And it was like the beginning of the match. And I'm like, dude, how did you foul out in the first quarter? I'm like, what are you doing? Like you, we like, you're one of our A team guys. Like you can't foul out in the first quarter. He's like, I know I made some mistakes. I'm like, all right, get back in the game next round. So he gets back in the game. This is all true story. Next game. And he totally fouls out again. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? So I'm getting on him. I'm like, oh, I'm having fun with him, right? Because it's all in here. And it's like, like these people are intense, right? These people are intense. I'm like, oh man. And then it comes down to the last match. This is like the top 15. These are the brainiacs, right? These are the smart ones. And then he falls out on the last question. I'm like, dude, how do you miss and fall out on the last question? He says, oh, that was a tactical move. I'm like a tactical move, like SWAT team. Like, no, this is that was a tactical move. You see, you got to understand, like I was winning. And like, if I if I missed a question, I can't give another person an opportunity to get up there because if they got it right, they would tie me. And I know the clock and I know we were running out of time. And I knew if I got up there, even if I, if even I missed, I still won. I'm like, dude, that's a tactical move. And Bible quizzing, I'm like, this is awesome. And this is how intense we are. Like, we're Believers Chapel. What do we do best, man? We do donuts best. Better anybody? We do donuts, a lot of donuts. Reed's loves us in our purchase of donuts because we buy more donuts in a year than any, any company or any person, literally. Like, that's a true story. BC has the number one thing for donuts. It's awesome. Led by a cop, makes sense. But it's like, <laughs> not gonna lie, love them too much. I've had too many donuts this week. I'm like, ah, I'm starting to, ah. Anyways, um, so I'm like, hey, listen, Alan, this is the deal. Alan was here. He was brilliant all day. I know this is a long story, but it's funny because you're still turning to Philippians 3, maybe. So it's like, I'm like, great, we'll buy donuts for them. Let's buy 100 donuts. It'll be amazing. We'll bring them in the morning. It'll be great. And then a voice says, no, you can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean you can't get donuts? No, if they eat sugar in the morning, it'll mess with their brains. I'm like, are you serious? Like donuts, like this is what we do. No, it would, it would throw them off. Like some of these kids, they fast like from sugar months in advance because they got to be so dialed in and they got to be so focused. I'm like, holy cow. So what do we can do? Well, we can bring donuts for lunch. So we hid, we had to hide the donuts. It was incredible. We hid the donuts, brought out the donuts for lunch. It was awesome. I'm like, so if I eat donuts, that's my problem. Like that's, that's amazing. Like it's incredible. I get it. But, uh, Unbelievable day yesterday with the Bible quiz, and we loved it. Come on, Philippians three, verse one. Now that you're there, it says, "It's finally, my brethren." I love this. He's halfway through, right? He's got Philippians says four chapters. This is Philippians three, one, which means he's halfway there, and he says, "Finally," which is great for me as a communicator. I can say, "Finally," halfway through the message, and you think we're finishing soon. <laughs> it's amazing, right? So, like, I'm just following a page in Paul's book. He says, "Finally, my brethren." Now, seriously, I love, I love where he brings us in. Don't forget, right, we've covered this. Paul is speaking here to the church of Philippi. This is one of his favorite peoples. He loves these people. He's so well-connected with these people. This is a very mature church. They're doing it right. It's awesome. Paul's in jail writing to these people a letter of thanksgiving for all that they mean to him. This is a big deal. And I love where he says, finally, my brethren. And he's, he's speaking family, right? He's speaking family. Finally, my brother, in which his brothers and sisters, and he speaks to family. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And man, this is kind of this theme throughout Philippians is rejoice in the Lord. Like we've covered where if you're happy, that happens because of your happenings, because of your surroundings, because of good days. Please hear me, man. Joy in the Lord is because of Jesus. It's because of the Lord. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he's saying, finally, brethren, rejoice, like be glad, exuberant within the Lord. And this isn't like we we talked like this is an inside job, right? This is who we are called to be. Church, if you truly are a born again believer in Jesus Christ and you are walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, man, joy should be just a part of our nature. If you are a miserable Christian, you need a lot of work, man. You are an immature Christian if you're a miserable Christian. And listen, I know, listen, please hear me. We go through seasons. We go through difficult times. The Bible says that. We're going to go through suffering. The Bible says that. We may even experience tragedy. The Bible says that. There's times that we're going to go through and suffering and persecution. But amongst it all, even in and through that series, those seasons, there should be something in us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, it's supernatural that we are called to rejoice not in any of the circumstances or seasons, but we are called to rejoice in the Lord. Isn't it amazing how that puts things in right perspective all the time? All the time it puts Christ in the front and Christ as the center of our attention, even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of the unknown, even in the midst of circumstances that didn't go your way, even in the midst of persecution and suffering, Jesus is the center of our attention and in the Lord we are called to have joy. Come Romans 15, 13, kind of a theme verse for this series. And I want you to see it. It's just something. I, just put it in your spirit, right? Get it in your spirit. And it just says this, may the God of hope fill you. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. The word fill, it means to be complete. Your version may say be complete. That means I'm not going to lack in. I am not going to have a lack or a low in what? To be full of joy and to be full of peace. I am not going to lack joy. I'm not going to lack peace. When we get into Philippians 4, we're going to concentrate on peace. Right now, because he says rejoice in the Lord, we look to what it is. With all joy and peace and believing, so that what? You will abound in hope. Like if I am walking complete in joy, and I'm walking complete in peace, and I'm not going to lack, that means I'm going to overflow. The word abound, it means to overflow with hope, that confident expectation. How is any of this possible in the crazy world that we live in? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Church of Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled, this constant filling of the Holy Spirit within us. Man, I want to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to wake up and say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit today. I want to walk in the fullness of your Holy Spirit. I want to walk in that anointing. I want to walk in that power. I want to walk in that authority. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, there is this overflow of expectation that I am functioning in the fullness of joy and peace. Church, we cannot be miserable Christians when we're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You can go through seasons. You can go through sorrow. You can go through grief. You can lean on one another in these very difficult seasons. That is all real, and that is all true, and that is all of God, that we are called to lean on one another when we go through our difficult seasons, but that misery just can't hold on to because we want to walking in the power of the Holy Spirit overflow with great expectation to be complete in our joy, and in our peace. And then he says this, finally, my brother, and rejoice in the Lord to write the same things again to you is no trouble for me, for it is a safeguard for you. It is to protect you. He says, I will repeat this. And he says, this is so important. I will repeat it again. And this is so important. I will repeat it again. And I, and I love the phrase, preach it till they get it. Like, I, listen, I'm not the whole uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I think that's what they were. They memorized all of those for Bible quiz and, and maybe even more than that. I think it was like 400 verses or something crazy. And I'm just like, ah, I just, I want to focus. I, wa- I want to get down Jesus wept. I'm like, I'm good with that. Like, what you got memorized? Jesus wept. It was a bad day for Jesus. It was a good day for Lazarus. But, you know, we turned it in that way. Like, I, I want to preach it till we get it. I want to take a verse, dive into it. I want to understand what Paul is saying here because he says this is critical. And this, for me to preach it again, for me to keep hitting this over and over and over, it protects you. It's a safeguard for you. This is where Paul is in this writing in Philippians 3. He's like, I'm saying this. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm not, I'm not upset with me having to say it again, because this is a safeguard. Your version may say, it protects you. It surrounds you. It guards you. It protects you. For Paul is like, listen, 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 pay attention. I'm about to drop something that I've dropped before, and I need you to hear it again. And then he says, beware the dogs. If anybody calls you a dog, it's not a compliment. That's an insult. Like beware of the dogs. Like that's an insult. Dogs, you, you can equate this to modern day coyotes. or coyotes are just, they're just bad animals, they seek and destroy, they're miserable, they bark, they want to bite, they want to chase you down. Like these were the dogs that they would find running around. And, and, and if you're a Cleveland Brown fan and you're a dog, <laughs> the dog we play you today, by the way, and I don't think it's going to go well for you. But that's just my guess. So beware of the dogs. He's talking about the Cleveland Browns here, I'm sure. Right? But anyways, um, some of you get that. Anyways, um, but when he says beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of false circumcision, he says beware, 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 be on guard. Like, like Paul is like saying this in, in neon sign. He's like, listen, listen, this is a safeguard. I've told you this before, and I need to tell you again, for this is going to protect you. You've got to be aware of the dogs, and you've got to be aware of the, of the evil workers, and you've got to be aware of the false circumcision. And he's, he's talking about a group of people called Judaizers. And these are the Judaizers that he is like, you got to be aware. Like He's like screaming, pay attention. He's going to the extreme to say, listen, you need to protect the church, protect your gathering, protect your people. Against these false teachers. And he's just, he's like screaming this from prison. as He says, beware, beware, beware. Like sometimes you have to go to the extreme to sometimes get people attention. Great story. I heard this story. Great story. You've got a high school principal. You, you've, got, you've got a custodian. And then you, you, you've got a group of, this is, this is at, at the uh, kind of the JV level. This is, this is like a middle school girls with a middle school principal. With the custodian and the middle school girls, what they were doing is they were putting lipstick all over their lips, and then they would kiss the mirror in the bathroom before they leave. Now, listen, getting lipstick off a mirror became problematic. It was like, man, it just sticks. It smears. It's awful. And the custodian would go to the principal and say, hey, could you just have a conversation with these girls? It's this specific group. They just keep doing it. It's so hard for me to get it off the mirror. It takes so much time. And I, if you would just have a conversation, they would stop. That would be huge. Let's just, let's just have them stop. So principal brings him in and says, hey, girls, listen, I know it's you. Quick kiss in the mirror. Um, everybody will be fine. Just stop. Custodian will be thankful. Let's do it. Next morning, kisses all over the mirror. All right. So the custodian and the, and the, and the middle school principal have a meeting. Like, all right, let's, let's let these girls know that this is a bad idea. So calls the girls down to the bathroom and they all go to the bathroom. And he's like, listen, girls, I did ask you nicely that you wouldn't kiss the mirror. So we have to demonstrate to you how the custodian, what does it take for the custodian to clean the mirror? And and he says, sir, would you demonstrate how you clean the mirror? So the custodian went over to the toilet and dipped his brush into the toilet bowl. And then he began to clean the mirror with the toilet bowl water. And they never had a problem of them kissing the toilet bowl mirror again. (laughs) This is Paul going, pay attention. This is the extreme because there was false teaching coming into the church. And I want you to see this in Acts 15.1. These are the Judaizers, and this is, this is what they were saying, which was so dangerous to grace alone, so dangerous to the work of the cross. And some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Unless you are circumcised according, now, listen, Old Testament, what proved that you were one who, who had a reverence and a fear of God, you were in God's camp, is that you were circumcised. And that was a fleshly proof that you now had a, a, a reverence for God. And these Judaizers wouldn't give up the Mosaic law and said, okay, I'll accept, I'll accept grace. But there's more to the story. For if you, don't get, if you don't get circumcised according to the custom of Moses, that's the Mosaic law, you cannot be saved. Do you see what they did there? They're adding to the work of grace and saying, no, you have to do this and you have to do that. And, and Judaizers were firm on the Sabbath where there's so many rules and regulations. Church, if you want to do a study on what the rules and regulation to properly keep the Sabbath, man, you would look at it and say, oh, this isn't working. Sabbath is a day of rest. We are encouraged, Old Testament, New Testament, to take a day of rest. I encourage you to take a day of rest. We should be following a Sabbath, but it's not in the rules and regulations of the Old Testament Sabbath that it, you know you can go into that. And there's some crazy things that if you did this, this, or this, which we do on a regular basis, You're breaking the Sabbath. So these Judaizers came and said, nope, nope, nope. We are going to stick to the Old Testament on these things, but yet we'll accept the cross, but it has to be added to these. If you are going to come to truly be saved, then you must be circumcised. And Paul is like, no, 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 no. You're not going to lessen the blood. You're not going to take away from the work of the cross. It's Jesus alone, and it's not the work of man. Church, this is is that legalism. This is that religion. And this is Paul saying, listen, you've got to be aware of this. Because what if people are being misled? And this is, just reading this over and over and over, my man, my heart came to, to my responsibility as a safeguard, as Paul puts it. Making sure that no one in this church or ever hears a message from me is ever misled to believe that you're safe if you do this and if you do that and if your attendance is good at church, if your tithes and offerings are good, man, you are saved. If you do the rules and regulations, if you're a good person because how dangerous it is, church, if you are being misled. But yet, all along, you're thinking that you're safe. This is what Paul is Neon sign going, stop, stop, be aware, be aware, be aware, be aware. The Judaizers are coming, they're bringing in a legalistic, they're bringing in that which causes you not to be saved, thinking you did something. Coming to church regularly does not make you a believer in Christ. Tithing regularly does not make you born again and safe. Going through different classes when you were young, Maybe you were a part of a different type of church before you came to Believers Chapel, or maybe you thought if I just do this, or maybe you bought in to the biggest lie of like I'm not a bad person. I I got one wife in my life. I have good kids. They're contributing to society. I've never cheated on my wife. I've never murdered anybody. I've got a job. I'm doing a good thing. Like there's no way that God would send me to hell. I'm a good person. Like I'm not a bad person. There's really bad people. Then you start doing that whole look at this person and look at that person and look at this person and you miss, you miss for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And it's a lie from the pit of hell to think that you have anything to do with your good works that allows you to be saved. So church, what happens when there's so many that are being misled? There's so many that are caught up in a religion there's so many that are, that are truly caught up in, the, in, in their list of what they've done right. There's so many who think, yeah, I've done, I, I, yeah, I do the Jesus thing, but I know that if I don't do this, then I'm not loved. No, it's, it's not your list. How awful would it be if you believe that you are safe, if you believe that you have been led to believe that I am walking in a way that will lead to eternal life, only to get to eternal life and to find out that you were wrong. This is something that most important, that you just can't get wrong. Church people can't get this wrong. It has been a lie for years, 2,000 years. It has been a lie that it's Jesus plus, and you can't get this wrong. You will find yourself at the end of the destination of life to be wrong, and you can't get it wrong. It's Jesus. And it's Jesus only. And Paul is like, do not let them in the church. Do not let this false teaching in the church. Do not let them think in any way to say it's Jesus plus. It's not. It's for by grace you have been saved through faith that's not of yourselves. It's not of any works that any man could boast. You have no boasting privilege or boasting right to think you had anything to do with your salvation, except for you making the choice to repent. Your eyes have been opened. I believe that it's Jesus, and I call him Lord. That's our part in this. Church, what is it to be led to believe that you're safe when you're really not? That's the greatest deception of all. What happens, like this It's a funny true story, but you know, It was was this past summer, we were going to Bethany Camp with Breakaway, and I had a a bunch of girls in in the Jeep, and Abby was my co-pilot, and the co-pilot's supposed to navigate, right? The co-pilot's a navigator. She punches in Bethany Camp in my GPS, and I know how to get there. I'm just like, if there's a detour, I just don't want to miss that one turn, whatever it looks like. So I'm driving, and I'm driving. I'm like, great. Hey, uh, Abby, how, how much further do we got? She's like, seven hours. I'm like, Abby, seven hours to Bethany Camp? Well, yeah, that's what GPS says. I'm like, would you check the address of the Bethany camp that you put in my GPS, please? And it was literally seven hours away. I'm like, girl, we are 45 minutes away at tops. And if you're driving slow, it's 45 minutes away. But I'm driving because I have kids in the car, so it's 65 and 60 whatever. So it's like, no, it's 45 minutes. How did we get seven hours? I put in the wrong Bethany camp in the GPS. But wouldn't it be awful if you think you're going to the beach in this one town in Florida and you put in the same name of the town and it's actually up north somewhere and you actually just think you're safe and you're just going and the family is singing songs and we're going on vacation and this is amazing and you're just driving and you're just driving thinking, man, GPS is taking us this way. This is amazing. We should be all good and all safe. And then all of a sudden, the, the you know, you are here, shows up and you're like, this is... This is not the beach. This isn't our end destination. No, you thought you were on the right course and you didn't even think twice about it. But when you get to the end of that destination, you're like, no, I was misled, man. I was on the wrong course all along. Church, this is where we're at. Church, this is where we're at in Philippians 3. See, the religious leaders wanted to come in And add to the salvation equation, which doesn't make it salvation at all. Amazing in Matthew 23, Jesus comes so hard, so hard against the religious leaders and the Pharisees, calls them hypocrites. You know, he he goes right you whitewash tomb. He's like you are so filthy on the inside, but you think you're clean because you're outside. And he just went so hard after it because he knew the answer was Jesus and Jesus alone. So church, what happens when we see religion? When we actually bought into the lie that we're good enough? How much is that even in church today? You know, where the Bible really talks that sin is sin and sin is that which separates us from God for an eternity. The wages of sin equals death. And it's never okay to be okay with sin. I believe that the blood has forgiven us from our sin. I believe that we when we do sin, we truly quickly repent, we ask for forgiveness and God forgives us as His children. It's beautiful. But you can't look at sin in your life and be okay with it and think that you're saved. I, I'm not a fan of, of someone who gets saved at BBS when they're eight years old, but they've lived a life of hell all their lives. And when you start asking them about faith, when they're 45, they're like, well, I did say a prayer when I was eight. Well, were you faithful? Nah, no, I never went to church again, but the prayer saved me. Ah, no, it didn't. Well, I got a Snickers out of the deal. Well, you've been led to believe something false. Come on, turn with me, please. Colossians chapter two, please. Just for a minute, Colossians chapter two. two. It just says this. Verse 2, it says this. And their hearts may be encouraged, having been knitted together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's. I love this. A true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. Church, what happens when we are accustomed to To putting Jesus Christ in the center of our attention and everything. It is Jesus, and it's Jesus alone. The true knowledge, watch this now, the true knowledge of God's mystery is that Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I say this so that no one, I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive arguments and and i love this paul's writing this again to another church don't be deceived by persuasive arguments it's only christ himself the true knowledge of god has to only come through christ himself don't be deceived do not be persuaded. He says this in first 8. See that no one takes you captive through philosophy, empty deception, according to the traditions of man, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to what? Christ. For in him is the fullness of deity, dwells in bodily form. In him you have been made complete. That's full. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Again, it's Jesus and it's Jesus alone. on Matthew 7 with me please because there's just so much warning to this we've got to see I, I, I me personally I think that this is one of the most difficult passages in scripture to try to uh, just try to wrap your head around church we need to know that this is real and that this is true I've been praying all week. God, we would hear from you today. Because if there's any anyone who sits in these seats, anyone who watches online, anyone who listens by radio, who thinks they're safe because, and it's not Jesus alone, I can't have you be deceived. I can't have you be misled. Because there's a very eye-opening, deep, even scary passage in Matthew 7 where Jesus is speaking here. I'll be honest, man, I do often wonder if Jesus would return on a Sunday morning here in America and not believe in the rapture, If Jesus returns on a Sunday morning and the rapture happens here in the United States of America, how many people would still be in attendance in the church? Because they actually bought into a lie or they just didn't want to believe or they thought that they were on the right path. But all along, they didn't hear truth. Or maybe they had a a false preacher in the pulpit that wouldn't give them truth. And they actually thought, no, I went to religious class. No, I was baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't make you right with God. No, I was baptized as a baby. I'm good. No, I went to classes as a child. No, I'm good. And no, I did my do's and don'ts. No, I'm a good person. No, I w-. misled, misled, misled. And I do often think, God, I hope I don't know, man. It is just truly my hope that if the rapture ever took place at 9 a.m., there would be no service for 9 and no one would show up at 11 because we're all in glory with him. That is my hope. I don't want you to ever be misled. I don't ever want to ever indicate there's any other way except Jesus. Matthew 7, verse 21 says this. many. Notice the word many. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. Church, these are people that called him Lord and master. These are people, watch this, who thought they were safe. That they they somehow, some way were told, no, you're good. No, keep going. No, you're good. No, no, listen, you've called him Lord. No, 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 look at what you're doing. You're prophesying in his name. You're casting out demons in his name. These mighty works of miracles in your name. No, you just keep going. You just keep going, but they missed, they missed it. All the way up to judgment, they thought they were safe. All the way up to judgment, they thought they were good. Many, Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? Uh, cast out demons, perform miracles in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. You worker of lawlessness. No, I didn't know you. No, you you were religious-based and not relationship-based. No, you, you, you thought that you could walk in lawlessness. You thought that you could ignore the Scripture when it comes to sin. You can't. Sin is devastating. When we understand what it truly means to repent, it means to change my mind towards sin, and I can't just keep going on in my sin to think I'm okay because I've called him Lord. I actually see him doing something in my life. No, I, I gotta understand the reality and the depth of sin and the beautiful, amazing work of the cross as we had communion today. It's through the work of the cross, and I know that the blood was shed for sin, my sin that has been dealt with, and I stand before a holy God who dealt with sin, but he is completely separate from anything that is defiant and defiling, that this is God, unstained, untainted, because he is holy. Church, what's your picture of sin? Do we just think that it's okay? Have we have we bought in to the current lies of it's, its sin? It's okay in the church. What does the Bible say? Jesus is like, no, no, I didn't know you. In the word, I love the word "no." Here, it's this deep, intimate relationship. Church it's based on a relationship, and not do's and don'ts. It's based on a relationship, and not and not religion, and not. And not not the rules of the Judaizers. And not legalism. If you just would do this and this and this, and then religion shows up in church, and you think you're safe, many will say to me on that day, Jesus declares to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Church, how do you know that you're truly born again? You repent from your sin. You recognize sin's the issue. Therefore, I don't want sin in my life. There is such lies today to our young people. I mean, there is just staunch lies today to our young people, to this generation in regards to the gender issue regards to the homosexual issue. There's just lies today to these young people. There's lies immorally to sex before marriage. There's lies immorally of sleep of sleeping with one another before marriage. There's lies that's okay to live with one another like all of these lies today that you may buy into even though you come to church. What happens when I first identify the sin issue? Sin's the issue. I cannot be one who practice lawlessness. I can't be okay with sin in my life. I don't understand the beautiful work of the cross. I don't understand the price that had to be paid for that sin if I just simply allow it or if I ignore Scripture. Don't walk in obedience to the Word, as John 3.36 says. Church, where are we in this? Where are we in this? Come on, stand to our feet, please. I just need to read verse 3. I got to get to the good news. Philippians 3 is this. 3 verse 3. For we are the true circumcision. That, that's, that, that's a circumcision in the spirit. That's a circumcision in the heart. That, that's not the flesh. That that by the work of the cross, there is a true circumcision that takes place to all. But it's it's spiritual. It's inside. It's not a physical circumcision anymore. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God, get this: who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. This I love, where Paul puts us in one in one verse. This is true salvation. It's not by anything else. It's not. False circumcision, it's not because you cut my flesh. This was a cut that happened to my spirit and my soul. This is a blood covenant, a cut that took place. A covenant means cut. A cut took place in my spirit and my soul. A true circumcision took place. And I understand what it is to worship in the spirit of God. And the glory, here it is, the excellence and the radiance of one that we put in the spotlight of all things is Jesus Christ and the glory of Christ. And I cannot put any confidence in the flesh. If I have put any confidence in me or anything that I have done in my my entrance into glory, I have been sorely misled. I have been misled. Come on, bow your heads, please. Come on, where are you in this? Do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? I mean, have you truly come to Christ on his terms? Maybe you grew up in a different church. Maybe you grew up in a very religious church that had rules and regulations. And if you do this, if you do that, if you're baptized as a child or if you take these classes or if you go through this special ceremony, then you're safe and you're saved. You don't have to worry about it. That's a lie, church. That's a lie. I do not want you to get before the throne. Depart from me, for I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. Man, you did this in confidence in your own flesh, and you didn't put the confidence in the work of the cross. It's truly amazing that if you realize there's nothing I can do, I need my eyes open to realize that I need to repent. It's my choice to repent from my sin. I acknowledge sin in my life. And I acknowledge Jesus as the only answer. Sin's the the problem. Jesus is the solution. Sin's the issue. Jesus is the solution. When I recognize sin as the issue, I want to put away sin. I'm not going to be okay with sin in my spirit. My spirit's going to be changed because I'm going to be full of the Holy Spirit. So I I can't be okay with sin in my life. And when I sin, I quickly repent. Repent. Turn to Jesus. Accept him as Lord. Confess him as master. Lord, you're in charge. I confess that you are Lord. I cry your name for salvation, for there is no other name on which I can be saved. Jesus save me. You are Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, with great power and great authority. Church, that's the only way to salvation. That's the only way to salvation. I want to be closed this morning in a song. If anybody needs prayer for any reason, or man, if you really want to talk more about Jesus, we love to talk about Jesus. We would love to talk to you even this morning about a decision that you made for Christ. Come on.